Sahara Drums from Kingston to the Nile. Join me, Tap, for a show where you can listen to the vibes of Africa blended with music of the Caribbean, where heritage speaks volumes in the form of music, combined with news, views, and opinions, bringing Africa and the Caribbean culture alive. Every Sunday at 1 p.m. only on Awaz 99.8 FM. FM, FM. See you then. A very good afternoon to you all and once again welcome to the show. We've got another jam-packed hour again and uh, one of the highlights of the show is this time we're going to listen to uh, the second part of uh, Elwin's interview. He took us through a very, very interesting interview last week. He talked about international uh, mobility. He talked about academia. And he also talked about the impact of uh, the uh, pandemic on both students and uh, lecturers in academia. So what we'll do now, uh, we'll welcome Elwin back to the show and now, we'll take it us has through. been a bit of a debate, not so much now, but uh, over the last nine months or so on student fees because of the impact of um, the pandemic relating to the aspects you've just talked about, having to do things online, uh, not being able to physically go to lecture theatres, etc., and so on. Where do you sit on, 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 on this debate and what is your view? Um, I, I, I'm, I'm very clear in terms of where I sit um, in, in that debate. Um, so the way I'll, I'll, I'll put it across is um, when the pandemic hit, um, what a lot of universities did and certainly what we did at Cardiff, uh, Cardiff Metropolitan University um, was have a discussion about what can we do to ensure that the quality of our provision to the students is not compromised because of the current situation. And the outcome of that discussion was um, largely to do with how much investment we need to do in terms of developing our staff, um, ensuring that we have the right technology so um, ensuring that every lecturer has um, the technology that they need um, to work from home, ensuring that students have the facilities that they need um, to learn from wherever they are in the world. So um, if you want to look at it from the basic sort of financial perspective, I think um, generally universities have had to uh, make huge investments in ensuring that the quality of the uh, provision is not compromised. Um, and from the student perspective, um, what, what was unavoidable is that um, if you're having to learn in a different way, if you're missing out on um, being on campus, if you're missing out on having to be in the library or, you know, be able to physically read a, a textbook. It's not a great experience because that's what you pay for. That's what you sign up for. And what universities have done 
was looking at, okay, this is what students would have been doing. This is what they would have access to. How do we bring that online? So there's been a lot of research. There's been a lot of investment into ensuring that we bring societies, communities online. We bring more library resources and facilities online. We look at how we enhance um, the teaching and ensure um, that quality uh, students have a good student experience online. So in terms of that debate, um, I, I don't think they need the needs there is need for a redraft of um, the fees that the students were paying. Um, I think that um, universities were very responsible. Uh, in terms of uh, ensuring that provision is not um, compromised. But um, I do acknowledge that it has been very difficult and there has been a transition period. Um, It it has taken quite a lot um, in terms of getting our provision to where we were, to, to where we are now. And if I compare what we're doing what we're offering online now compared to when the pandemic starts, um, the provision is worlds apart. We've learned so much and significantly improved our offering. Um, But it's something that we, we had to um, sort of undergo during that transition. So in other words, there has been a cost associated with the investment that has been made to mitigate and Absolutely. change the techniques of providing the same quality of education. Uh, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. I mean, I, mean I, I, I started hearing words I'd never heard of, words like um, asynchronous lectures, uh, and, and we're all thinking, what, what, what is that? Uh, but, but we had to learn and, and deliver differently and uh, in, in many cases, it was about bringing specialists um, who know about uh, remote teaching, remote learning um, to sort of train us up on the various techniques. So one of the things that we did, for example, is you, you couldn't just take your regular two hour lecture or one hour lecture and just deliver it to the students. You had to break it up in bite sized chunks. So right. it would sort of, yeah, 10, 15 minute chunks and activities in between. So it was different approaches depending on the nature of of the subject. And then you have other subjects, for example, um, drama, for example, um, those in the sciences. So if someone is on a, on a, doing a, you know, chemistry degree or something like that, then it was, you know, how do we ensure that the provision is not compromised? And there's been a huge investment in, 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 in making the spaces that they need safe um, where it's unavoidable for them to learn remotely. So th- there's been much uh, to be done uh, in terms of trying to um, protect the quality of the degree. Right. Good to know. And it's also reassuring. In your role in academia, by default and inadvertently, what you do as a profession has got a direct influence on social mobility. Do you see the impact and how do you relate to it? 
Yeah, so um, I think in, in terms of social mobility, let, let me start by saying uh, my proudest moments um, in my job as an academic um, is seeing um, our students walking across the stage graduating. That is what I absolutely love. Um, seeing and that is um, seeing and that is what always reminds me why I do this job um, let alone seeing them go away into the labor market and thriving and all the rest of it but um, we have a lot of students um, that come in they're often um, the first in their family to go to university and you see them um, in some cases struggle through University. Some have come in as um, mature students and seeing them come through the other end, seeing them grow in their confidence um, is highly, highly rewarding um, in my role. So um, do I see um, the social mobility in action? Um, I, 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 I definitely do. And, and I think my, my sort of my background has also um, a lot to do with it in terms of recognizing the value that we're adding um, to individuals. So um, I was the first in my family to go to university. Right. Um, and and for me, um, what I do now, I could not have dreamt that I'd be doing this if you asked me, you know, 15, 20 years ago. So I, I'm, I'm really proud, really pleased to have had the opportunities um, and feel really lucky to have had the opportunities that I've had. And in the same way, um, when I see um, other students, particularly those from a similar background um, as myself, um, I find that extremely rewarding. Right. Does your institution have initiatives or programs that address enhancing social mobility? Yes, yes. So in, in summary, there, there are several uh, programs that we've got in place. Um, and, you know, reflecting on some of my previous roles, uh, when I worked at Bournemouth University, when I worked at University of the West of England, and now at Cardiff Metropolitan University, um, I've seen uh, many, many interventions and programs and over time, um, they're getting better um, at identifying and better at supporting um, those from widening participation, deprived areas, low participating neighborhoods, supporting um, students who are perhaps, uh, like I mentioned, the first from their family to go to university. Um, so if I give you uh, just a couple of examples, um, so one of my uh, roles um, at Cardiff Metropolitan University is um, the university uh, lead for the Santander University's program. So Santander University's program is a sort of corporate social responsibility program and Santander uh, provides sponsorships to university for um, race equity for widening participation activities in three core areas, which are um, education, uh, employability, and entrepreneurship. 
So um, the work that we do with them, uh, for example, in the area of entrepreneurship, um, we um, support um, students from uh, widening participation, um, sort of groupings, and we support them with a variety of um, sort of bursaries. Uh, it could be seed funding if they have a really good business idea. Then we support them with some seed funding and we support them with uh, perhaps some mentoring um, so that they establish their business and they grow their business. Um, in terms of um, employability, for instance, um, we have a lot of students from uh, widening participation groupings uh, who we support with bursaries. So we, 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 we just give them some funds um, to help out with um, transportation to um, wherever they've secured a job. And it, it, it makes a real difference um, in terms of having a smoother student journey and, and, and somewhat that um, transition in terms of social mobility. Very interesting and uh, humbling as well in terms of not many people actually get to know about these initiatives that happen behind the scenes. Uh, they probably hear them being spoken about at a macro level, but not the detail as you have articulated. Now, if we did a little bit of a rewind. Oh, yeah. Picture me as an 18 to 21-year-old <laughs> naive young adult. What advice would you give me to prepare myself for the future? I, I thought you were in the 18 to 21 age bracket anyway. <laughs> uh, <just not> naive. <laughs> we'll have to speak about that after the show. <laughs> so so uh, that, that, that's really interesting. Um, I, I, I think what, what I would probably say, um, there, there's a... What I would probably advise is, number one, um, you need to uh, believe in yourself. Um, there's a lot of debate around, you know, um, does one need to go to university or the other routes to success? Um, I think that there's a variety of routes to success, but um, what's important is uh, you need to believe in yourself. Um, one needs to uh, create opportunities for themselves and go for um, any opportunities in whatever line um, of work or line of business that they're interested in. And the more you immerse yourself in those opportunities, you create your own luck. And there is always a lesson to learn when you go for opportunities. Things don't always go your way, but avoid allowing life to happen to you. So you should be uh you should make things happen rather than allowing life to happen to you um that is probably what i would advise someone uh, and don't be afraid to fail don't be afraid to fail at right. all right very sound advice i'll take that on board then <laughs> okay so you're a very very passionate and enthusiastic academic but it doesn't end there. You are by no means a one-trick pony. What else do you dabble in? Oh, um, so 
yes, I, 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 I do have uh, many interests. Um, so outside of um, academia, um, I, I think what takes up a lot of my time and um, sort of things that I'm interested in um, from business perspective, um, I do um, run a, um, a business. So I'm into uh, property. Um, I, I, I'm in the property industry and um, my, my business um, focuses on uh, property development and property management. So we do a lot of um, sort of buying properties that are in need of um, um, renovation and um, we, we sort of put those back on the market um, and we also do a lot of property management. Um, in addition to that, um, I am very much, so my background is in accounting and finance. And uh, when I was at university, uh, my dream job um, was to be an investment banker right. <laughs> at one point. Um, so I, I did develop an interest in the um, stock market many, many moons ago. So I'm very active um, on the stock market. Right. And, um, and then something that I learned from my students um, is around um, these new technologies. So I learned about uh, cryptocurrencies, blockchain, um, those sort of things, big data from my students. Uh, when I was supervising uh, dissertations, I had quite a few students who were interested in sort of the new fintech area. So uh, I developed an interest in cryptocurrencies. So um, I do um, invest quite a bit in uh, cryptocurrencies. Sounds like fun and very rewarding as well. It, it, it can be very rewarding, but it can be hugely stressful. <laughs> The risk factor, I can, I can imagine. <laughs> to be fair, I, I, I've been doing it uh, for long enough now, so um, I wouldn't say it it, uh, it. it stresses me out because I'm. I, I, I do have my sort of strategies, and I stick with my strategies. So um, I, I'm less reactive um, to to events in the market, and and I stick to plan. Okay. Good. Good. Always good to hear a man with a strategy and he sticks to it. Now, on a lighter note, but still for me, and I'm sure the listeners as well, a serious note, your favorite read? I, I, I have quite a lot of uh, um, books that I like. So I, I'm into um, sort of autobiographies. Um, uh, certainly, um, Sir Alex Ferguson's autobiography, um, I found that really interesting. Um, I have uh, Nelson Mandela's autobiography as well. Um, but of recent, um, some of the books that I've read, um, Natives, Natives by um, Akala, I, I found that to be quite an interesting book. It's on um, race and class. Um, and he takes very interesting perspectives in that particular book. And now, this is my favorite, your favorite song of all time. <laughs> and I will try my best to play it before the end of the show. That is a difficult one. So I, I, I love music. I enjoy music. But... Um, 
when I when I'm on when I'm on a radio, I, I more listen to um, a lot of talk radio, and, right. I, and that probably sounds boring to a lot of listeners. But I love listening to debates and and talk on radio. Um, so in terms of music, I, I'd probably say. Um, so coming from Zimbabwe, as I do, um, one of the big artists uh, from Zimbabwe uh, was Oliver Mtukudzi. And he has one particular song called Totutuma. Totutuma is a song that um, almost just reminds us to be proud of who we are and to remember to celebrate when good things happen to us. Um, too often we focus on, on the negatives, but it's just reminding us to to, to be proud and uh, to celebrate when good things happen to us. So Totutuma is, yeah, one of my sort of favorite songs, if you like. Totutuma it is. And, and, and I like the fact that it has got a very powerful meaning. And when we can articulate a strong proverb or an idiom in the form of music, that is very, very powerful. Elwin, thank you very much for being with us on the show. I'm sure the listeners have thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. And I hope this is not the last time we'll have you on the show. I do look forward to having you on the show in the future. Thank you. Thank you so much. I must say I I thoroughly enjoyed the interview as well. Um, Thank you so much for inviting me. And I will be back anytime. I'll just wait for the invite. Thank Thank you. Thank you so Thank you, Elwin. And welcome back to the show. We, uh, have, we have the rest of the afternoon with some very entertaining music that we'll play for you. And to listen to the music from the rest of the show, you can follow the YouTube URL link or look up Tapua Charai on YouTube. Enjoy.